Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on... T- <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Solitaire War Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 217. Albert, we've received very specific instructions on the style, content, and quality of today's podcast from our overlords at Raxon. <laughs> Oh, and they are overlordy, aren't they? Indeed they are. <laughs> the podcast shall be no more than 30 minutes in length. The podcast shall be completely effusive in its praise and shall encourage all people to be vaccinated as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. That's right. It didn't make finish faster. That's right. This is a, a pro-vaccine podcast, by the way. <laughs> Most definitely. Wondering. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about the fact how in this game, the vaccine appears to have caused the zombie apocalypse. But that is... Hey, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a a vaccine. It is a fictional conspiracy. So today we are going to be talking about Raxon, and this is a special Back to the Table episode. We have reviewed this once before, but we've decided to break it back out and talk about it again. This is is a game I've wanted to play again, and I keep not playing it, so so finally we had an excuse. (laughs) This is the way way to force Albert to play old games. That's right, yeah. No time. He, he doesn't yeah, have kids forcing him to take out the old games. No, no, my kids just don't play games anymore. I got to force <laughs> them to play games. Nice. For a while, actually, for a while, we had something called forced family fun time. <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Where we would sit down and play a game together, and it was always fun. But just that was just what we called it for the heck of it. So between when we reviewed this last time we review it now, the, our overlords for this game has actually changed because before uh, this used to be published by. Um, plat hat games mm-hmm. and now at this point in time they've been bought out this to the license for this title has been transferred to asmodee and the although the designer is and was and still is i suppose um joe from originally from plat hat uh joe ellis um okay. He's not actually able to do anything for the game anymore. So that's kind of changed about the bonus scenarios and their layout for it. But we will get to that in the end of the review. But I thought that was an interesting point to have pointed out about the uh, mm-hmm. the change of the game since the last time we were here. I forget about that, yeah. I totally that imagine that some of our issues with getting the game when we first talked about it would not have been. Because in terms of the history, originally the game, you had to get infected in order to be able to and i say that in quotes because you had to get a special link in order to be able to order it from a hidden website on plat hat games and sort yeah. of it started spreading and only at one point in time later could you actually order from your store and it was a whole big mm-hmm. thing it was a I viral imagine, marketing viral marketing very much so <laughs> i really cannot imagine that uh anything really much came from that but it was weird. <laughs> it was. I mean, I remember there was a lot of hype for it and all that, you know, hype happened and then people got disgruntled and didn't like it because of the way they did it. This this normal sort of stuff. Yeah, I was one of those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I had a copy. Yeah. It, I mean, I was I liked I thought it was a neat marketing mechanism or mechanic mm. or whatever idea. Um anyway, enough about the history. Let's go okay. ahead and start talking about our summary of the game. Go for it, Albert. Okay, so this is a, a zombie game. You are, and it's based in the Dead of Winter universe, right? This is actually a prequel to the game Dead of Winter. 
you are in a city and Raxon has been uh, making viruses and getting people to take them and it's turning them into zombies. So you don't really necessarily know that in the game yet. And you're trying to evacuate all the healthy people from the city because you've basically given up on the city. So you're trying to get out of the city with all the healthy people, all 20 of them, all 30 of them. 30. And um, and leave the zombies behind. That's basically what the game's about. Sounds like a good summary. Why don't we talk about the rules? Okay, the rules. Simple rules. Uh, simple to follow rule book. I have no problem with it at all. The, you know, it's it's clear. The first time I played the game, I was a little overwhelmed and thought it was confusing because it was different from any other game I'd played, but follow the rules and, you know, it works just right. It's kind of neat. Um, I do like how we've managed to make a very good co-op style game without really having it fall into the sort of pandemic style. You very often see how there's the you take a turn and then the game takes a turn and we alternate between that. There really isn't that in this game. And I do want to give the praise to the mm-hmm. fact that it doesn't stand out like that. When it goes through the rules, the rules are in general nice and clear. They give vivid examples of how all of it works. Um, I think that it is a difficult mechanic to explain how the character sheets works and that main mechanic of being able to install power tokens to your energy sheet. But I think that the game primarily does explain that quite well. So I've never had any real issues with the rules. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now then for, for fairness, I was one of the original play testers of this game. So I had oh. gone through the rules a number of times before it reached this stage. Oh, okay. So you're playing with earlier versions of the rules are probably much rougher and whatnot. Way back when so much so that I don't even remember the original rules. But yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not going to get into the the normal thing where we go through the five or six things. We're not going to go into the rules and themes and detail and all the components necessarily like we normally do. We're really here to talk about what it's like to get back to this game after a while. Um, but it is a simple game. It's probably not going to fill up a whole half hour, so we should talk a little bit about more of those things. Um, after not having played this game for a couple of years and jumping back in. I still find it pretty easy. A lot of it was very familiar, and I remember exactly how some things worked. Some of it I had to go and find the rules for them. And, you know, it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. I I must have forgotten to record my previous plays because I had not played very much. Um, according to BGG, I'd only played it twice in the past, and that's not. I know that's not true. But, you know, there we go. And I don't um, think I had it for that long break for me, so I don't really know that I can speak to it like that. I was, I've never really had enough of a break where I didn't remember the rules, and it's a simple enough game that the rules aren't hard to remember, I think. Okay. Other than having to quickly consult how many cards to put into the crowd in per yeah. player count. Okay, yep. And yeah, that's just a quick reference for the setup, right? Mm-hmm. The The game also has a lot of iconography. It's all really easy and explained clearly in the back of the rule book. I didn't have any trouble with any of that either. Um, with know, a nice like reference said, on yeah, the last nice page reference. where it should be. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So it's super easy to, to get it back into it. No trouble at all. The I like the, the components. I like the cards and the art and all that on it. I thought that was pretty good. Pretty well done. Mm-hmm. 
what what I, what does frustrate me with this game is that I find it really hard. I have yet to win. Well, no, it's not true. I think I've won in the easy mode, but I cannot win in the standard mode. The game is interesting because the more you play, the more people you save, the harder it gets. Right? And I guess we should kind of give a bit of an overview of the game, right? It's it's yes. it's very abstract because what you're doing is you're laying uh, the crowd out. You're laying all the people on the table face down. And if you're playing solo or two-player, it's a three-by-three three grid. So you have nine cards out face down. With more players, mm-hmm. it's a bigger grid. And each turn, when it when you, you a character will take an action, and the action could be a free action, which is just flip over a card and reveal it, and it's either a human or a zombie or a non-infected or infected person, I guess I should say. Or you can we'll take just one call of them zombies for the purpose of this. <laughs> there you go. Okay, for a zombie. Or um, or you could take a special action, which is more powerful and does some of the important things like getting the people out of the city. However, every time you do a special action, you got to put a little marker next to that action saying, I took it. I only have a few more of them left this day before before I have to basically give up playing for the day and start another round. But also, once you take a special action, bad stuff happens every round after that for that special action you took. And it could be you have to add an extra card or you have to flip over an extra card every round or, or draw one of these uh, you choose cards. And... And I say bad things, though they aren't necessarily always bad, right? You could use them to your advantage. They can be strategically good. Yes, but they they definitely ramp up the tension some and uh, hasten the end of the day because it's just going to speed up the game if nothing else. Um, and the reason that is is when you flip over a character, it's going to especially the zombies will have an effect when you reveal them. Which, for example, if there's two zombies out of this type, flip over another card. Or if there's four of this type, uh, the day is over, the round just ended. So you don't want to have too many of a type out. So you got to manage how many zombies you have out and all that, and, and how many healthy people you have. Oh, that's mainly the gameplay summary for the sake of describing this. Like I said, I found this really, really hard. And as as I'm rescuing more people and taking them out of that uh, deck of cards that I'm using to build the, the city... The, the crowd with there's more zombies and fierce healthy people and zombies tend to be troublesome when they're revealed so i just found it really the game really quickly overwhelms me it starts easy there aren't many zombies out there's a lot of people you're rescuing them everybody's getting the bus it's sort of festive and then time is passing and there's very few healthy people left in the crowd it's all zombies and it's just stressful and bad things are happening and it's and it goes downhill <laughs> That is my experience with it. Is that your experience at all? I get the feeling it's not. Uh, it's n- no, it's not. <laughs> um, you do have the ability to quarantine zombies, and you're sort of encouraged to be able to mm-hmm. use your abilities to quarantine them well and keep the quarantine at maximum. You lose the game if there's like 30 zombies um, from the zombie deck already shuffled out. So. You, if you're dealing with a board that really has too many zombies, you've already lost. So you have two semi goals over the course of the game. One to try and not get too many zombies from the infected supply. And two, to keep as many zombies as you can in quarantine. And if you keep both of those tasks up while you're going through the course of the game, you'll be able to essentially try to make it easier to find the last few humans searching through the population deck. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that 
generally being able to do that. We usually finish a game with between six to nine zombies in the quarantine and four or five in the infected supplies. There's only about 15 and you start with nine things on the board. So do that a little bit more, expand your board a little bit and you'll be able to find the last remaining humans is generally how we found it. I do Mm. most often play on the regular difficulty for this game and I do think that we've won a significant number of times. I couldn't tell you because I don't always keep, I, I don't ever keep track of it, but I certainly believe that we've won a fair number of times. Huh, okay. You know, the strategy that you're describing, it, it, to me, it's, it's obvious strategy, but I cannot make it happen. For whatever reason, I cannot get the quarantine full and keep it full. It just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just no good at this game. I guess that's what it is. Oh, don't tell yourself that, Albert. <laughs> I try. I keep trying different things, um, but it's just hard. And I cannot decide how I like. I've only played it solo and two handed. I have not played it with more characters. I think maybe it's easier with more characters. I, I usually do play two or three handed. Okay. Yeah, I got the impression that might make it easier to play. Though I do like the way the solo game works. If you're playing just one character, the the, the change I make is simple. Normally. Um, as you play and you're adding these counters to your character, you're hastening the end of the day, right? Because you're running out of actions. Once you pass, you're done for the day. And then you keep going around until everybody's passed and the day ends. Here, once you pass, instead of you're playing by yourself, it's just midday. You take your lunch break, you remove all the counters from your board, and you keep going with all your actions again. Oh, and that is neat because it's it's a nice strategic uh, opportunity to when to take that lunch break and clear the board and keep going. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that part of it. Mm-hmm. I th- I find I enjoy that more conceptually than I do playing with two characters. Though hmm. when you have multiple characters, you know, I think sometimes you get some synergies. I didn't notice that too much in this game. I, didn't, I yeah, do I didn't notice, notice that there are synergies where you can have yeah. certain players focusing more on infections and certain players focusing more mm. on uh, quarantine rather and some people focusing on getting people out. And so like different players have things that they do better. And yeah, especially each That's character cool. generally has one thing that they're super good at, like a really cool power they have, like the door-to-door, for example. And having access to more of those abilities can make it easier like door-to-door for example is a great way of being able to find those last few humans so could be okay okay so yeah so so that is interesting i i either way i I do enjoy the solo way they the way they handled the solo character Mm. the playing just one character agreed Uh, i like how they handled it but i don't usually play it that way no okay i usually play two-handed or three Interesting. I'll, I'll, yeah. I think this time around I played more with two characters than I played with. I have never done three, though. I should try it. I definitely should. The the other thing that's interesting about this game is the those choose one cards mm. um, that I've seen in other games, right? And I think that first really. Well, came most up of the other games in the Dead of Winter, Winter, Dead of Winter story world. Are there more than two? I only know Dead of Winter in this one. Uh, well, there's two Dead of Winter games, and there's other games that oh. were sort of in the same type of world, but futuristic. But 
it's a it's a suite of games that Plathead Games had done with these story cards. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And so the mechanic, and this is also in Robinson Crusoe, but the mechanic basically is you get a card, and it's generally going to say you could do nothing with it, or you could do something with it, but something bad may happen later. Well, I think a bigger part of it is that it games. only triggers if something's happened. So that you look at the card, yeah. and sometimes, like all of the time, the cards do nothing because they don't even trigger. But sometimes they'll go a game where every single one is triggering and you just can't get a break. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a fair amount of luck in whether or not you're drawing cards that trigger or not. If you're getting a lot of cards that don't trigger, you're going to have an easier time. That does make sense, yeah. And And the reason you have an easier time... Not always, but often the effect is bad of what the card text is. Sometimes there are good cards in there, but every card that triggers has a little Raxxon symbol in the bottom, and that raises your, your Raxxon level. Not every but, one, man, but it's, many of them. Yeah, it's not every, you're right, not every trigger, but many do. And your Raxxon level goes up, and once it reaches, I think, 9 or 10, the game ends. You just lost. Raxxon has taken over the world, or the city. Just the city. Um, And so uh, getting eight. a lot of those are bad. Eight? Okay. Even worse. Yeah, it is even worse. So that is that is a neat card. I do enjoy it. It doesn't often matter. So so there's some tr- some of the character abilities will trigger drawing Raxxon cards and I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. It's not going to make a difference. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's bad. Or like I said, sometimes there are good effects, but either way, they tend to raise the Raxxon level. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting. That really is interesting. I think they did it really well in this game. And there's like eight cards that do nothing but raise the Raxxon level. Yes. I played those wrong every time for the for a bunch of my first games where I misread and I thought I was supposed to shuffle the, all the cards back together, not just the, the discarded no effect cards. So all the cards that already triggered, I was shuffling them back. Oh, there. that's a big change. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so hard because those, those eight cards kept coming back anyway. Right. Like they didn't clear out of the deck, so my threat level always went really high. Oh, that's a big change. Yeah, that's not how that's supposed to work. <laughs> no, yeah, but not at all. So that is one thing I just got flat out wrong because I misread. But it's a, uh, but like I said, it's an, it's a neat ability. I really do like how they do it here. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's not obtrusive because a lot of times nothing happens, and that's always a relief. You draw the card says, "Oh, if Raxon levels high, three or higher, Whew, it's not. Throw this one away." <laughs> And it may come back, like I said, because uh, th- those cards that trigger every time do tell you to shuffle the the cards that went into the no effect deck back into your or no effect discard back into your deck. But that's okay. In terms of the amount of strategy and decision making, even though a lot of this does have randomness, like you'll look at the whole pile, you start the game with twelve cards, and you're like, I don't know. Uh, the, Flip a coin. I don't know which yeah. one has the humans. So you could get lucky and you could not. Same with those Raxxon cards. The game certainly has a fair amount of luck, but I do feel that it has a fair amount of strategy in being able to use the abilities that the games gives you well and be able to manage your risk and especially how far into a day you want to push it. If you know what your chances of being able to successfully get another evacuation, do you push it? Do you hold on? Is the costs of staying in for another round worth it? So mm-hmm. I do believe that even with all of the luck and all of the randomness that is part of the game, there is a strong strategic portion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also 
there's definitely strategy and there's also a lot of tactics in there like from round to round what you do is very dependent on what zombie or what cards you revealed in the crowds and and how you deal with it like i may be planning to i really want to do another quarantine action but now suddenly i have a really good row of people i could save and that just seems like the right time to save them or or there's a lot of the uh the angry mob people that are they're humans and you want to save them but if you have too many out that ends a day all of a sudden which is Mm -hmm. good so so it's very tactical too and i do enjoy that just figuring out what to do from turn to turn Mm -hmm. it's it's a fun game to play it really is Agreed. I do really like this game. I enjoy it. It is simple and easy to set up. It is mm-hmm. a small box game. There's not a whole lot of rules overhead or brain power that it requires, but it still has a lot of decision making. And as with many of my favorite games, it makes you feel like you've had a victory when you get a victory. It makes you it makes you feel like you've contributed to your successes and to your losses. Yep. Especially your losses. <laughs> especially especially those sorry albert uh, well i'll try it again maybe I'll, maybe we'll do better this time we'll see one interesting thing that they did do originally through fantasy flight was they had the five extra scenarios that they had published on their website that allowed you to add a little bit more replayability for the game um you either at the time when they when we reviewed it before you had to use either an app or a website to be able to modify this at this point in time, especially with the change of licensee, this now has a physical version that you can print off of BGG and use that as a reference. Um, mm-hmm. When we had done this before, I think I maybe had tried to play some of the scenarios and just felt like it wasn't worth the overhead of being having to do things different than what the card says and different than what the normal rules were. I didn't really enjoy those scenarios. Since then, I tried to put them back on the table in terms of getting ready for this back to the table episode and still just don't enjoy it. I tried one and just didn't even feel like finishing it as Uh. things got worse and I misplayed some of the rules and that there were differences that were not things that were printed on the card and I read the card and did the card as it's supposed to be. And then a couple turns later, I'm like, Oh, wait a second. No, we lost. (laughs) That's how that went. So I still just don't enjoy. I just don't enjoy those that doing those scenarios too much different. Hmm. Okay. So they just, I've never tried them. They just changed the way the game works mechanically in, in small ways sort of thing. It's not even small ways. Like one of them, the there's racks on power cards, the racks on blank cards that all of them change and do different things. There's one of them where all of this that you put the celebrity cards are all changed. Uh, There's one of them where a bunch of Hmm. specific citizens and how hostile cards work change. And so it actually has, a bunch of changes to what the text on the cards would normally be and how the rules are. And yeah, I mean, if they're not, they're small, they're they're not small relative to the rule difficulty of the game. Like they're only a page or possibly two pages of additional rules, but for a game that only has how many rules, 10 pages of rules to begin with, so two pages, that's 20%. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a fair amount. You know? It's just, ugh. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've never tried them. The rules are still available online, though, in the uh, designer's webpage. So he was able to keep them and publish them for people that do want to go Well, he just published them, them as a fan because he doesn't have a license for it anymore. Oh, okay. He, he so emphasizes he lost, that yeah. all over the document. It does say a fan project. Yes. Well, I do appreciate that at least he's still supporting it, even if the, mm-hmm. uh, the current publisher doesn't. So this game is not likely to get an expansion, I guess. So oh, make I doubt the game it. Easier, <laughs> yeah. And is it still available? Actually, I'm not sure. I'm assuming you could still go out and buy it. Probably should have, probably should have checked that before you decided to talk about it. But no, no. You know what? I don't actually have a problem with talking to games that are not available because it it may uh, be interesting if you want to get the game secondhand. I do agree. There's a lot of ways of purchasing these things. Yeah. Even if it weren't available, I would I wouldn't have an issue with it. But I mean, it's available on Miniature Market and Amazon and various places. Like Amazon has a really cheap copy for seventeen bucks right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a new copy. I'm Brand sure. new copy for seventeen dollars. That's not bad. I might buy it. You should buy that immediately. <laughs> it says it's a it says it's a Fantasy Flight Games brand, but the box and the picture says Plaid Hat Games. That's funny. Well, I mean, it's purchased by different people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all yeah all the uh, company names have gotten all mixed up, which is kind of irrelevant because it's all Asmodee anyway. <laughs> Put whatever name you want on the front. It's Asmodee. Well, Plaid Hat is not Asmodee. <laughs> no, they did. They got bought entirely by Asmodee, you say, or? Well, Plat had bought themselves back. Did they? Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. Interesting. Plat had bought themselves back and left some stuff behind. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. So, yeah, so that's Raxon back to the table. I don't think I have much else to say about it. Oh, I think that's about it, other than go pick up a copy for yourself. Yep. Check it out. Don't take our word for it. Buy one. $17 on Amazon. And consider yourself duly infected. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Good night, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.